Welcome to the Persuasion Lab podcast. I'm Martin Medeiros, expert negotiator. Unfortunately, the world isn't made to your specifications in all ways at all times, which means you need to be able to communicate your wants and needs so you can get them met. I'm here to teach you the tools and strategies so that you can do exactly that. Stay tuned after the episode for more information about the Fully Outfitted Digital Persuasion Lab or head over to thepersuasionlab.com to get started. On this week's episode in the Persuasion Lab, we're going to talk about how to convert people from one side to another. And the context I'm talking about here, and we're going to go over two researchers, is how to convert spies into becoming double agents or individuals to renounce their allegiance from one nation to another. And it's based on a very sound principle. And we're going to go over these two principles in this meeting. So let's get started in the persuasion lab. The first formula I'm going to give you is by Dr. Schaefer, who is a psychologist who trains people at the FBI, him being an ex-FBI agent himself. And his book, highly recommended, is called The Like Switch. Uh, Some of it's kind of uh, self-helpery, but he does have some really good uh, research-based approaches. And he talks about historical events and times when agents, those in the clandestine services, uh, services actually brought people around to the other side. And his formula he calls, to be palatable to the wide audience, the friendship formula. And what this has is four different uh, elements we'll go into. The next re- research we're going to talk about is, of course, Dr. Cialdini, and we're going to talk about consistency and what I talk about. And those of you in the Persuasion Lab know about my little quip I call the consistency staircase and how that works. So let's get started with Dr. Schaefer's formula. Dr. Schaefer's friendship formula is pretty simple. It's how do you get people to kind of know, like, and trust you? And that is built on four different elements. He calls them proximity, frequency, duration, and intensity. Proximity means uh, you generally develop relationships and know people that are physically, geographically close to you. And this point has been collaborated Many, many times, I think about 10 or maybe 15 years ago now, uh, Intel, the big chip manufacturer, researched how important it is for people in different functional areas to work together. And they found that when you are, I think, something like 50 feet within physical distance of someone, you're more likely to collaborate and work with them on a project. And that's why a lot of office space issues come around this, uh, uh, you know, people from different departments who collaborate often may actually be better off organizationally to be outside of their department to a group that they collaborate most closely with. And there's 
pluses and minuses too. And this is a whole science and I just flagged that for you. But proximity matters. So too, the people who you're most likely to develop a business relationship generally will be closer to you. And it's no secret why a lot of cutting edge technology companies and their financers are in the Bay Area, Silicon Valley, because these individuals with talent, the VCs with the money come together, they collaborate, they can check on their stuff. And that's why many minor market companies, uh, sorry, uh, yeah, companies and consortia in uh, far off places struggle. It's because they need this co, this geographic centric area, even in the days of the virtual meeting. Maybe that's changing, but right now proximity matters to develop people that you can influence, persuade, and negotiate with often. The next variable in Dr. Schaefer's formula here is this idea of frequency, how often we come in contact with people. Uh, it doesn't have to be a lot, but frequency. And he goes into detail on how... Um, you know, one his some of his work in teach uh, uh, getting a say a, a this is Cold War era a Soviet spy to come over and become a double agent for the U.S. How that was done, and that's basically frequent short meetings, some of which where coffee may be consumed and not a word or two uh, discussed. In fact, he he talks about one instance where after. A few years of frequent visits with this individual spy, uh, when he finally asked him to come over to uh, the U.S.'s side, the uh, the spy said, what took you so long? <laughs> In other words, he was kind of waiting for it, but that ask was not forthcoming. And this is important. Uh, frequency happens per unit time. But the next variable is duration over what period of time. And this people struggle with this because people think and including some of the uh, negotiation strategist research clients think, hey, uh, I want a quick resolution. Is there some negotiation jujitsu you can do to turn this deal around or to stop this litigation or something like that? And, you know, the answer is. Uh, not often, uh, because it usually takes time. It takes a long duration. And by the way, um, a lot of the uh, uh, his own experience and the historical examples of agents becoming double agents or um, uh, criminals confessing, uh, this does not happen in one, you know, sweaty interrogation room. A lot of times it happens over a year, maybe two years, maybe more years. So if you have a very difficult situation, it could be a long time before this strategic type of influence actually takes hold. And it's long term. Um, you know, I work with some individuals who are involved in a dispute and it seems like there's no smart economic answer and the answer is, well, how do you get out of this really bad situation? And it's sequentially doing certain things over time and at the end of the day, developing this relationship uh, and using elements of this formula. So duration is something that 
you have to think more strategically around because uh, part of this friendship formula, proximity, frequency, duration, and intensity, uh, the duration part can be long. And you have got to do your own cost-benefit risk assessment and see, hey, is it worth my time to let this run out or do I walk away or do I try to develop that relationship if it's that strategic and that valuable or that important to me? And these relationships can be, you know, we talk about business here, but they can be familial. They can be other relationships as well. And the final uh, example is intensity, which is uh, how intense and memorable the event is for the individual. Uh, this is why a lot of veterans, especially ones who have been in combat, they've shared a very intense, short uh, event with their comrades in arms. Uh, those are very solid, very trustworthy uh, friendships that last lifetimes. And I know so many people where they've shared this intense period and what can be more intense than combat, uh, that those relationships, those friendships last along. And the, the lighter side, Schaefer talks about, um, uh, you know, a relationship you may want is with a significant other. And this is why he suggests the horror movie or the frightening movie is something that's a intense relationship that will be memorable. And, you know, personally, um, I will recall, I don't know if this helped, but um, those of you who know, I like to climb mountains and uh, my uh, prospective wife and I were camping at around 10,000 feet in a caldera next to a lake. And that evening was a severe thunderstorm and high winds in our little tent. And that really intense I don't know if it helped, but of course we ended up getting married. But uh, I don't. I always think was this something that Schaefer was talking about? Was that you know thunderstorm <laughs> before we summited that day? Uh, something that was this intensity, this intense type of shared experience where it really bonded our friendship. And um, uh, it, it may have, it may not have, but uh, I think it's very interesting. It made me think back personally on that. So. That is Schaefer's friendship formula. It's proximity plus frequency plus duration and intensity. Those things combined together will make it more likely that you will develop a trustworthy relationship where you would want to have some type of uh, relationship with the person, whether it's business, whether it's personal, even familial we have a lot of different families. We have some dysfunctional families. But at the end of the day, um, if you want those relationships to grow, uh, being closer, uh, more frequent visits uh, for over a longer period of time, and having some shared intense experience generally makes those relationships, those friendships pretty strong. I want to change it up a bit and talk about uh, some elements in Dr. Cialdini's book, Influence. And of course, I'm talking about this idea of consistency. And there's a big, I think, social media component. So what consistency, the basic premise is uh, we like to deal with people who are consistent. People we can count on kind of a no-brainer. But so too, um, people like us to be consistent. 
And if we portray ourselves as erratic, not accountable, or missing meetings, like I do today, oops, um, that can be um, put you in the career of inconsistent. In other words, uh, and this is, you know, this has to do with, you know, Dr. Hoffman's idea of uh, boundary setting, like, for example, today's meeting, uh, my meeting ran way long, and I was trying to get out of it, trying to get out of it, and I didn't end it as abruptly as I should. And I, uh, as a result, I ran over another meeting, which disbanded before I could get to it. Uh, always bad that that doesn't look, that doesn't look good for everyone. So knowing this, you know, consistency thing, setting barriers, uh, boundaries uh, with other people in your life. So you are consistent. Hey, this meeting was blocked out for an hour. We're running long. Let's put it down. That makes us more credible. That makes more influential. That makes us more persuasive. So how do we bring people along this, what I call the consistency staircase? If we want people to uh, come into our group, into our organization, uh, into our business deal, how do you do that? And you have to get them to take the first step, the first small step. Uh, and the next step they take, as long as it's consistent with the previous one, can be a higher step. That's why I call it the consistency staircase. And I believe, I, I, don't, I forgot who gave the example. I believe it was Dr. Cheldini himself where he said, uh, he talks about a uh, POW in the Korean War where uh, he gets into the room and he's asked the question, uh, uh, are you uh, friendly to, in this case, North Korea? Um, name, rank, and serial number was given. And then the uh, the interrogators never used violence. They never used torture. They just used words. And one of the, some of the words that broke this individual were uh, very simple, a very small step. And that step was so... Uh, America's not that perfect, is it? It's not a perfect place. Oh, it's a great country, but it's not perfect. Eventually, the GI said, yeah, it's nothing's perfect. There's no utopias on Earth. Sure, yeah, whatever. Um, fast forward to six months, and the um, this POW was in the prison camp on a microphone uh, saying these capitalist pig Americans are awful and North Korea is very fair to its people. And uh, so how did how was he brought around 180? And that is done by the consistency staircase. So from it's not perfect to, oh, they, there are some bad things. There are some bad things in the U.S. history. That's one more step up. And then you keep going up this step and then you get into the ideological questions until um, this person very slowly, they didn't want to backtrack and say, oh, that thing I said, I'm backtracking. I didn't I didn't really say that. I didn't mean it. You took it out of context. People don't want to backtrack. They want to be consistent. They want each statement they make to uh, build on another because they feel like they're going to lose face or other things uh, or be perceived as inconsistent. And that's why they kind of keep going up that consistency staircase to bizarre levels. And this can be seen in full Technicolor HD on social media. You will see dialogues in social media where 
uh, people will make a declaration. And, and the declarations are nothing. If it's one-on-one, that's one thing. But if I have several people in a social setting or potentially hundreds or thousands of people in social media, I will not back off that because there's this strange psychological dynamic of when I make a public declaration, uh, I will double down on it, even though it's wrong. And that's why I think you may see a lot of this you know, extreme behavior, people double downing uh, uh, things that are clearly factually erroneous or questionable on social media. The reason why is psychologically they want to be consistent. They do not want to seem like they backtracked or said something that they are later going to recant. Um, And because there's so many people on the platform, they're less likely to recant, not be consistent. And they will go up that consistency staircase. And indeed, we have pretty good intel on how um, a lot of social media platforms, which are in the business, of course, selling ads, uh, they can actually um, help people take that next step. And you see it in surveys that pop up. You see it in uh, these questions. Would you say X, Y, or Z? Uh, Can we share your results? Well, you can say it. And once you share it, that's public. Can we post it on our website? And then you will uh, be less likely to back off an endorsement. And of course, A lot of people figure out that, yes, I may say something, but if data changes, if information changes, I will change my mind and you should be fine with that because new data comes in, change your mind, that's fine. The consistency principle militates against that. It makes that more difficult psychologically for us to backtrack when we take a position, especially a public declaration, uh, to come off it. And that's how the consistency staircase can basically change people, influence people, persuade people to take a 180 from their initial preference. And it has to be, last thing in consistency, it has to be um, self-initiated. It can't be something compelled. The person has got to get there by themselves. If you put words in people's mouths and stuff like that, much less likely that they will uh, double down on that. But if it's um, self-initiated, public declaration, um, people will generally build on that and increase their next level of consistency to uh, enrich in their first position. So that's the consistency staircase. And those are the the two most dominant theories on how do we get someone to do this, as I say, this 180 in where they were, whether or not you get to a contract and the answer is no. And there's other researchers who say, well, get them to say no because it's them asserting some control. And once they have that control, they're willing to come off it. Totally different issue. But when you go from a binary decision one way to the opposite 
it's analog. Uh, this is probably the friendship formula that Dr. Schaefer talks about, which is proximity, being close to someone, frequency, how often you interact with that person, duration for what period of time, and the intensity of that relationship. If those four elements are there, that person will be known, liked, and trusted with us, provided we're not, we are not jerks and uh, people, and, and we will build this trustful relationship, and they will more likely change their mind. So two in Cialdini's consistency formula, if we have a public declaration that is in other words, there's some other, uh, we say it at a meeting, uh, and this happens all the time where people will, um, I'll be at a conference room where people will be at a meeting, they'll say something, they won't back off that even though it's pretty outlandish, but the fact that they were, you know, 10 people around the table uh, who heard them say it, they were less likely, they're more likely to defend the position and not uh, back off. So uh, a declaration that's uh, sui spontates by themselves, it's not imposed on them, it's not coercive, no one's threatening them to make it. And uh, it's done um, on a consistent level. The next step, the more extreme step, uh, you see this a lot on social media, is that much easier to take. So uh, going from, you know, one degree to 90 degrees to 180 is an iterative process in the consistency uh, formula. And that's a step. That's why I call it the consistency staircase. It's one small step, the next step, the next step to make people understand the, the reason that you're trying to get them to uh, move in one position or another. And that's it. The friendship formula and consistency is how these 180 relationships have occurred historically and occur every day on social media and maybe in your business deals. This is Martin Madeiras in the Persuasion Lab. Thanks for joining me in this week's episode.